Hey, welcome to Churches Now Online podcast. I'm Dan Jacobson. And I'm Scott Irwin. And I'm Kristen Jacobson. We're all doing something incredibly different today because, you know, normally we've had a little witty repartee uh, at the beginning of our episodes, and then we throw it to an interviewed guest. But today we have in the house for the very first time on our show, the one, the only, Pasta Dexter Harris, everybody. Woo! What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> yes, Dex. Thanks for taking time out, man. And thanks for being. Uh, you're you're technically in studio more than I am. You're you're at the HP campus right now, uh, doing work, getting things done, and uh, taking some time to be with us, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. Happy to be alive. Uh, looking forward to what God is going to continue to do in and through this whole COVID nineteen thing. But we chilling, you know. Good, good. It's always good when we get to see our staff together because, you know, like all of us are on staff at Bethel. Um, but right now, none of us are hanging out, except for me and Kristen. We get to hang out because we're family. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see you, man. And uh, it's March. It's March 25th. I'm curious, Dexter, if you know what our staff would normally be doing on March 25th of any given year. Uh, we would do something around like March Madness. March yes. Madness. It should be uh, kicking off, what, tomorrow or today? Whoa, uh, babe. It would have been kicking last, off like a week and a half ago. Last week. Oh, is it, last are we already yes. that far? Last that far Thursday would have been the first round. We're already into the Sweet 16. No one knows this. I saw, this point, I saw online that there was this like virtual, uh, like if the computer could tell us how it was going. And I wanted to be like, that's the whole point. Nobody, not even a computer can tell us what would happen. Like that's no why computer, we watch. No computer March sees Madness. those Cinderella's coming. Nobody no, sees them. You can't, you can't write that stuff, man. You can't predict it. You can't, there's no algorithm for the greatest sporting event in the year. <laughs> uh, and, and that's part of the reason why Dex, you and I, for the, you know, for the past couple of years here have, um, really fanned the spirit of March madness on staff. And, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful, you know, if, if you, you at the HP community, you don't really know how this, how, how this works, but Dex and I have been, uh, been, uh, putting up some collateral for the staff member right. who guesses the best bracket or gets the best score on the bracket. And um, in the years past, neither one of us have taken the cake. So <laughs> I was really looking forward <laughs> have to Have you ever year. been close? I've never even been close in any any pool that I've ever been a part of. <laughs> so I, it doesn't surprise anyone to hear that my wife almost <laughs> always wins. Not, not <laughs> wins, but I was, I think I was in the top four last year. And that was... It was quite a quite a nice time for me. March Madness is the I've said it before. I will say it again. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, it is, and I've been in mourning ever since it was canceled. And I know I'm not the only one out there who looks forward to this time of the year, and it's devastating. And for real, like I know we're just talking about the silliness of watching it, but can you imagine being one of those kids that was like their oh, senior no. year, and this is all they're looking forward to? Yeah. Uh, Dan, I think instead of brought it down there, sorry, brought it yeah, way you down. Did. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm mourning right now for two levels. Instead of giving out a lighthouse gift card, we can give out a pack of Charmin tissue. Oh, um, yeah. there you go. Listen, yeah. listen, if you just even fill out a bracket this year, you get a roll of toilet paper and a thing of Clorox wipes. Yeah, you probably <laughs> monetarily yeah. the same. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> the trophy is just a, a, a roll of toilet paper that's been gilded with gold. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Dex, it is uh, it is wonderful to have you, man. And and I know all all of our traditions and rhythms are thrown off right now. Um, but we're making the best of it as a staff. We're making the best of it as a church. And these are actually really ripe times for us to do ministry because, uh, you know, I, I think I saw it the other day. Um, the one of the most one of the most googled questions is um, is heaven real? Uh, and people are just asking all these questions about life and death and the mortality of humanity is all on everyone's mind. And so a uh, great opportunity to be a pastor right now. <laughs> Difficult, but it's a great opportunity. And so just tell us, I mean, catch us up, man. You're one of our Bethel pastors. You serve at uh, the great Gary campus. And uh, I'm curious, how are things going uh, for the Gary campus? Maybe what was the initial reaction to this coronavirus outbreak? And how have you been um, seeing things change and doing ministry in the midst of it? Yeah, uh, personally, I'm excited to uh, be pastoring around this time, as difficult as it is. Um, it's always trying to figure out how do you be distant but near at the same time. And one of the things, especially in the Gary community and the church experience, is that people uh, enjoy being close to their pastor. And so just trying to figure out ways that um, I can be as close to my people as possible, whether that's uh, making 40 phone calls in one day, uh, running to seniors' houses and uh, doing a little ding-dong ditch and dropping a sermon script off and running to the curb and uh, waving uh, to them. Um, but uh, it was definitely uh, a sight to kind of see and kind of analyze as a pastor in regards to how people initially reacted um, in the Gary community. And it was one of suspicion and laughter at the same time. And so cool. um, just the distrust for the government in the Gary community is something that is that is real. And so when the virus hit, it wasn't so more the it wasn't so much looking at what this COVID-19 was about more than what is the government on. Um, mm -hmm. It was more of interesting thing. And then um, and then the joke started, you know, coming and the memes and uh, I was waiting for the first trap song to drop. <laughs> uh, COVID-19 and then we named her Rona um, and she does have a nickname so she is part of the community now whenever you get a nickname that means you're part of the community so Rona has been embraced uh, for the Gary community. yeah <laughs> is it big Rona or just Rona it's just Rona, <laughs> just Rona. <laughs> watch out she'll get you yeah, exactly. <laughs> what has it meant for the campus? I mean, here at, at Hobart, we're uh, we're trying to scramble to get everything online. Hence, this church is now online podcast, and um, a lot of uh, a lot of things are just taking place virtually. Um, that's a is that an easy shift for the Gary community? Uh, well, it's a it's almost a fifty fifty because we have some people who are able to have easy access to to Wi Fi and they have the necessary devices to connect virtually, um, and then we have a half of our congregation um, that depend on other resources in the community to be able to connect to the Wi Fi and use devices. Our facility alone um, has a tech lab where people can come and get on, you know, laptops and things like that. And so those things are not available. Um, and mm -hmm. so we have to figure out other ways and use many avenues to, uh, stay connected to our people. Um, so we've been doing like conference prayer calls. Um, as I said before, uh, some, some house visits, obviously practicing distancing, staying outside and things like that. 
Um, one of the things that really broke my heart was some of the homeless community that come on Sunday mornings. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they don't have a home or a place to stay. They look forward to like coffee and donuts that we have in the morning. Things for us that's just like a, a bonus to church is an essential you know, thing mm-hmm. for them. And so um, not to be able to do that um, has been very difficult, but we've been trying to think through and brainstorm ways in which we can still care for that community in this season. So, Dex, I think that's a uh, a side of the Gary campus that not a lot of us uh, know or understand. Even over here at HP, um, the shift to online was it, it's it's a it's a hard shift, and we're still trying to figure it out. But a lot of our congregants here, we are used to the stream. Um, the shift to online isn't that difficult. We've got devices, we've got Wi-Fi, stuff like that. Um, how, uh, how, I don't know, I'm just trying to help, help our people understand, like, how different is it really for you to have to move everything, everything online? Yeah, it was extremely difficult. I think that I just, I kind of went through my own thing, you know, as a pastor, when I was just like, what in the world are we going to do? I mean, first in regards to just like preaching, like, like yeah. talk back to you when you preach. And now it's just like, mm. nobody's saying anything in the room. <laughs> uh, somebody type amen, you know, in the comments. <laughs> back in, like, oh, I guess that was a good point that really resonated with people. Now you know what it's like to preach at the Hope Reporters Conference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I'm sorry, was... everyone, at, everyone at home knows that I meant to say Cedar Lake. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was it was extremely, you know, difficult um, as I think for our other campuses, I knew that, you know, streaming would be sufficient to keep the people together and to feed them. Whereas at the Gary mm-hmm. campus, I knew that streaming and Facebook would not be the only avenue that we could use because it wouldn't be sufficient given the different hurdles that we had to, you know, cross um, to get stuff to our people. Yeah, yeah, so much of the, go ahead, Kristen. <laughs> well, I was just going to kind of ask a, a different question, maybe as you've been connecting, you said you've been calling people, I know that you know your people so well, but um, have you noticed any significant challenges, particularly with families? I'm thinking from a mom's perspective, now I've got kids at home and trying to do e-learning and all of that, that's got to present some unique challenges um, in your community as well. Yeah. Um I think, uh, you know, just a few things, and you know, in regards to moms and things like that, A, um, we have uh, some families that have a lot of children, more than mm-hmm. maybe two or three. Um, some families may have five, six, seven children. Um, and so to just think about just being in probably a small house, um, and sometimes you have several families living in one house. Um, and so you don't, you don't have that comfort of like just spreading out and, um, being able to see in, you know, some kids to a certain room to do their homework. So just trying to get them settled down, I think is definitely, you know, a complication. Um, also that, that Wi-Fi thing is a real issue and having enough devices is a real issue. Um, although I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, obviously in the Gary community and we plan to be moving really soon, but right now, like, um, my house is in Hobart and they, my son got sent home with a device, whereas in the Gary community, that's not, you know, the reality for us. Um, and so you have to figure out, you know, different ways. And most kids maybe get sent home with packets and things like that. Uh, but still, um, very much complicated in regards to resourcing 
um, our children and our and, and our mothers uh, during this season. So, yeah, because I know that the the City Life Center has done a lot with um, families, a lot with like after school education and learning. What's going on with the City Life Center? Uh, I haven't really really heard. Are they still kind of engaged in uh, students' education, or what's going on? Yeah, so um, they are no longer obviously meeting in the building. Uh, that's uh, been a real burden, you know, for us, uh, a real heartbreaker, um, not being able to serve our children. Uh, City Life Center not only does uh, help with the educational part, but they also feed children. And so uh, one of the things that, you know, we've been trying to figure out is making sure the kids are still being fed. And so that's something that we're kind of uh, running through and trying to figure out. We actually got an email strand right now going on saying like, what can we do? How can we help? How can we help resource uh, those children? Things like that. Um, there's some things that uh, Kim Berry and his team are doing in regards to contacting parents and seeing how they can resource and help with homework um, and different things like that. So you talk about Rona <laughs> and uh, she's causing havoc medically, but economically as well. And I know for us, it manifests um, in our community, people who are in the vulnerable category and are staying at home, you know, people like us who are still awaiting test results, you know, to see if they can go out or whatnot, um, haven't seen the outside world. And now we're under a, a governor ordered um, shelter in place, which, you know, leaves the door open for people to go to grocery stores and to have essential travel. But the question is, you know, will there be enough food for us once this is over? If everybody makes a run of the grocery stores, you know, we saw toilet paper disappear. <laughs> will we see chicken disappear? Will we see beef disappear? Will we see rice disappear? And whole Facebook groups are dedicated right now to finding those items at grocery stores in Northwest Indiana. And so what are some of the economic challenges that the city of Gary are facing? Are they exactly the same? Are they a little bit different? What, what would you, how would you help us understand that? Yeah, I think uh, for most people in the city of Gary, they're even, they're either living, living paychecks by, by paycheck or uh, they're trying to figure out how to make it every day. Um, and so I think that um, for most people, it's not having that cushion or that emergency fund. We're they're automatically in crisis, right? Um, yeah. One shift and the whole thing falls apart. And so um, there's a lot of unstable households at this time. Um, also just dealing with the reality too that um, Gary is a food desert. Um, just getting, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and building up, you know, just our children immune systems right now. Given okay, hang on a second. Yep. I hate to interrupt you in the middle of a, of a thought, but I think a lot of our people don't even know what a food desert yeah. is. Could you explain that? Yeah, so basically it's, it's an environment where there's a lack thereof in regards to food and quality food. Um, and so in Gary, Indiana, um, for an example, you know, being a pastor out there, if I want to go to lunch, um, and to get a quality sandwich, I got to go outside of the city. And so there's nothing within the immediate radius in regards to food that you can get a hold of uh, that, yeah. that's good. You can get a hold of some bad food for sure. Um, yeah, but there's a there's an FDA um, standard for fresh food, I think, is one of the standards. And then fresh food available within a certain radius, right? Isn't it like 1.5 or something miles? And um, just some something that you wouldn't think in America in 2020 could be a thing right. that like people couldn't have access to fresh food. And that's important in an urban context because a lot of transportation, you know, people don't travel beyond 
certain radiuses. Um, you try to walk places or bike places or take trains or buses. Mm-hmm. And so for there to be a food desert in Northwest Indiana by itself should blow our minds, I think. Mm-hmm. But then put a food desert in the midst of a crisis. How, how does that work? Yeah, so I think that um, it causes people to to scramble um, in a sense that um, how do I, you know, protect my children? How do I provide for my children? Um, how do I get to a, you know, local grocery store? Um, one of the things that we're noticing, um, as my wife and I, we went to Myers in Valpo, um, and then we went to the Market K in Gary, or <clears throat> or the other local grocery stores in Gary. Um, although the food is bad, the the shelves are not empty. Um, and one of the reasons why is because people don't have funds to stock up like that. And so those who do have funds get to take advantage of getting those resources very quickly. Whereas people in the city of Gary are, you know, maybe left with the leftovers. It's already hard to try to get, you know, a roll of, you know, toilet paper. Um, but if you don't have the funds and hopefully you get it in time where you can actually maybe participate in some of the goods. And so, and then travel becomes an issue. Uh, people don't have reliable vehicles. Um, and so as a church, um, I've already made some runs to some stores outside of the community and brought things to, you know, families and things like that, because that's a reality too. um, just being able to get things and having enough funds to stock your fridge and things like that. So yeah, even at HP, we've got a lot of people out of work right now. Uh, you know, we've got a dental hygienist out of work. We got people that are working hourly in schools that just aren't, aren't getting paid right now. What's that look like uh, in Gary? Are, are um, people out of work? Are jobs there? Are jobs available? Um, are they not? And then what's that What's that look like without having uh, any kind of backup emergency fund or um, any kind of government uh, aid or buildings that are, they're, all, they're all closed now? Yeah. So uh, the city of Gary already struggles with providing jobs within the city. Um, and so those who, who did have jobs or maybe still had their jobs for them to, to lose them brings the city to even a lower poverty line. Um, and so when you're living already on the fringes, um, or living on just a little bit, um, every move as small as it may be, uh, takes us to a, a deeper crisis and a deeper devastation. Um, and so the city of Gary already have a, ha, have a lack thereof in regards to jobs and things like this. And so this has obviously not been helpful um, and things have gotten worse um, because of it. So here, let me just recap our conversation so far. Um, jobs, scarce. Food, scarce. Transportation, scarce. Got to rely on your pastor to bring you in things from the outside of the community. Uh, uh, struggling to uh, find space in homes, access to Wi-Fi, and homelessness. You would think with that list, like you you stack that up and go, okay, well this is a this is hopeless. But I know from what I've uh, heard from you on Facebook, from what um, I know your church is doing with the Church Unfiltered podcast uh, that you guys are putting out, which is fantastic, um, and just from even. Uh, just the, the word from the community that there, there is nothing but hope uh, coming out of the Gary community. And so I want to ask you, like, why is that? And how is that? Share with us your secret. Next <laughs> Share with us how it is that with we stack up all these challenges, the net result is not despair, but hope. 
Yeah. I would say for our community, the foundation of, of our hope and what allows us to continue to uh, keep on keeping on is the way that we like to say it is, is our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel has been a huge anchor and rock in the African-American community. Um, you take it all the way back to slavery um, and you have people singing hymns in the middle of cotton fields. Um, yeah. and, and you see this joy and this light in the, in, in the middle of such darkness. Um, and that hope is a hope that doesn't you know, come from this world. Um, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I appreciate um, just the, the gospel beacons of light within our community. Um, and the church has been a huge um, um, part right. of getting um, our people through times like this, even as you hear hymns like, we shall overcome. Um, and one of the beauties that I love um, about our community is people come together and we take those little bit of resources and everyone is looking out for one another. We see this in Acts chapter four, um, towards the end of the chapter, it says, none of them were without um, because everybody cared for one another. So we take uh, that bag of rice and you boil it and then you split it up and you're not just thinking about your family. So a lot of sharing, a lot of caring um, and a lot of just gospel love going around. Um, and I believe God has been using that to glorify himself. And I believe that the city of Gary, um, though it has a lack thereof, God is going to use it to show the world uh, what it is to, to love your neighbor in a time of crisis. A crisis is obviously when Christians uh, have the opportunity to distinguish ourselves from the world because the natural tendency in the midst of a crisis is to bring everything close to the vest and to hoard and to keep for myself and to let fear uh, make me focus upon my own needs. And yet Jesus never said, I came to give you a spirit of fear where you're, where you're worried about yourself first. You know, there, there is no me first right. in Christianity. It's uh, Christianity by definition is others first, right. you know? And yeah. so for us to be able to look at uh, that type of compassion and empathy, that's so clearly on display in your, your community is inspiring for our community as well. And I hope that that births within us a, um, a real vision and a real desire for us as a community, thinking in terms of the Hobart, Portage, Valpo communities, uh, to be on guard for our neighbors, especially as it, as it relates to, you know, it's easy for us to look at Italy. It's easy for us to look at Spain, who I see uh, as of today just surpassed China in the number of deaths from uh, coronavirus, um, to look at other places around the world and go, oh, thank God that's not happening here. The question for us is, you know, who's my neighbor? That's the question that, that the lawyer asked Jesus. And he said, he didn't say the person that lives next to you. He says the person that may be uh, right around you, but maybe from a different place than where you come from. And so for us to be able to have a, a broad vision and a wider lens for us to consider who our neighbor is, is really an important thing for this time so that we can demonstrate the love and the compassion of Christ. Dex, how would you want us uh, at the Hobart Portage campus to be praying for, thinking about, supporting uh, our brothers and sisters at the Gary campus? Yeah, I, first and foremost, pray for wisdom for our leadership, um, pray for creativity, um, pray for our, our seniors and our children, um, just in regards to just being healthy um, and be, being able to get you know, uh, healthy resources to them. 
um, pray for single mothers um, that they'll have all that they need to um, further their children's education. Um, also, um, pray for our local law enforcement and local government as well um, as they try to, you know, figure this thing out as well. Um, and pray for us pastors, man, that uh, we'll be able to be distant but near to our people, uh, which is an essential mm -hmm. thing, especially uh, given the nature of what's going on right now. So. Right on. Uh, Dex, I want to ask you uh, one last question. Uh, how are you staying so fit in the midst of uh, coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, following uh, J.O., a.k.a. Jonathan Johnson, uh, workout routine on Facebook. Uh, catch us live uh, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, trying to, you know, sweat and run and, um, and actually use this time to think through and be creative and things like that through running and exercising and doing 100 push-ups a day. So There you go. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know, I uh, I've figured out that toilet paper rolls on the end of like a bar make it look like I'm pushing a lot of weight, but it's really easy to do. But it looks good for the camera. So I've been oh my uh, god, I've been pumping pumping rolls, pumping Charmin, pumping Charmin. That's right, pumping Charmin, be Charmin, do the Charmin. Don't let the Charmin do you. <laughs> Watch out, Kristen. Watch out. <laughs> oh man it's too much hey uh we appreciate you brother and we want you to know that um we are in this together and we're grateful for you thanks for giving us some perspective from our our uh, neighboring campus next door and uh we look forward to uh just seeing what the lord has in the midst of this to bring us all together and not to divide us further yes. and to help us uh be the hands and feet of jesus in the community the bride of christ that we are uh and and so we love you dude uh, thanks for uh, taking some time out here thanks for having me Bye, Dex. Bye. thanks for listening to the church is now online podcast for more resources from bethel church head to bethelweb.org where you can stream services give online and find ways to impact our community to connect with the hp campus the best way to do that is on facebook Join our group by searching Bethel Church Hobart Portage. If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. Church is Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage. Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.